God bless you guys. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And thank you, Judy, and thank you, um, Pastor Maureen, both of the pastors. Um, we've known um, Pastor Walt and Pastor Maureen for many years. When we first got here and we had a little bitty church, God has always given us this grace to meet people that are movers and shakers. And I know that your pastors are in this place. And, you know, the enemy will fight you when you're trying to do the moving and shaking because you're not going to just sit back and let it happen. Um, one of the tools that we use very powerfully, um, which the enemy loves to fight us on that as well, is the arts, and we have a representative of our uh, representative group of our dance team here today, and they're going to minister to you. Um, they range from the age of 15 to the oldest one here today is 30 something. Amen. Um, and it, they've started some of them dancing as early as 11 or 12 years old on this team. Uh, we we try to move and strive for excellence, but more than anything, the anointing and the character. That's critically important. God is not kidding when it says pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. It's very, 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 very easy. And dancing is an interesting thing because you have to kind of watch it to, to be ministered um, to. And um, often we've dealt with things with people telling us, well, you know, in the Bible, they didn't choreograph dance. They kind of broke into the spontaneous praise. And I said, well, that would be unfair because the ministers walking into the, into the sanctuary had to practice even what they were getting ready to play as they were playing songs before the Lord. And it's the same thing with this. It doesn't take away from the expression or what God's speaking to them as they begin to dance in God's presence. And we're telling you a story, things that we've had to live um, very often when we decide to do a song or, or, or a dance, it's because one of the songs that we happen to listen to really ministers to one of us. And we say, we, we've got to do this. We really believe that this is going to minister to somebody. So um, I think that it will minister to you today. And I can feel even when I came into this place that God is working something special and something new in here. Um, it definitely... It's, it's a sign when you come in the room and you sense the peace of God already resident. And that's a very, very beautiful thing. But those are hard fought for and hard won. Change is hard won. It does not come easy. Um, because it's not that the devil is, is omniscient, because he's not. But he's got enough out there to know if there's plans in the works and if God has something special that's getting ready to happen. So he will stand in opposition to it. So I know that God has something. It's funny because I know Pastor Maureen was telling me 25 years. Um, but that's nothing in the sight of God. There's a whole generation of people that need to be raised. Amen. And we have to be mindful of that. And I told you before that we came to a place of brokenness. Because I'll tell you that the Holy Spirit is doing a lot of things during this time, during this era. And in specific churches we like to call our church an ark or an outpost and i believe that that's what this church is and that's the purpose that god has for this place it's a place of safety that people can come and run into because things are going to get very very bad they will no question about it and i know that the devil has a sense of who these places are based on your fruit it's evident and it's clear so during this time, you're going to find that there have been attacks on many, many churches across the board, probably over the past year, more severely than ever, and over the past two years. Uh, not too long ago, uh, it's funny because my husband decided to stay for a late night prayer meeting, 
which in our church starts from 10 and goes to 12. It's not the vigils, it's late night prayer meeting. So he stayed for a late night prayer meeting and he walks into the prayer meeting and we have intercessors and church members there and our head intercessor begins to pray the following thing. He, she says over and over, Lord God, rebuke the leaders, take them down, remove their sin. Lord God, rebuke the leaders, take them down, remove their sin. And my husband's tribulated because he's the pastor. He's the senior pastor. He's over in the corner praying. He's going, what kind of prayer is this? He didn't know what to make out of it. Now, this woman is a, a trusted intercessor. But, you know, maybe not in this church, maybe just in my church, but most of the rebellion and division happens in the intercessory team and in the worship team, generally. That's where it happens. Maybe just in my church. I don't know about your church. But this was going on, and it really tribulated him. He came home, and he told me. And this is a woman that's very given to prayer, a real intercessor. She's not looking for the spotlight. She's not looking for the attention on her. Um, she ministers and serves, because in our church, if you're going to be on the, on the intercession team, you also have to minister or serve in another area of ministry, just so that your head doesn't get filled with visions of God and you're useless, you know? So it's got to be both things. So she is a woman who serves, but a woman tremendously given to prayer, who's known to take off a week from work and just lock herself up in the apartment and pray and pray and pray. So he calls her and he says, what are you talking about? And she said, well, I had a vision. And this is the vision she had. She said, in the vision, I saw the front of our church. So it had a huge white banner. She says, I walked in the doors of the church and I began to walk through the sanctuary and some of the other rooms. And there was a leader with a group of people gambling. There was uh, sexual sin there was gossiping. So I said, Mario, ask her what kind of leaders. Who is she talking about? And she said, I believe it to be our, you know, your, the lay leaders. Now, in our church, we have pastors, elders, and then we have uh, small group leaders that we train over the period of about a year and a half because we want people to be able to learn to teach and to lead under the same spirit of the house. So, at that point, we didn't have too much of an indication, but we did in a way because things weren't exactly right at church. The giving had gone down. Um, there were issues, you know, some amount of, of, of strife. The attendance was going down some. There were weird things happening. You know when a church stops growing, it kind of gets stuck. It gets stuck. Now, things don't get stuck unless there's a reason. We are in a place of, of, of healing now, but I'll tell you what ended up happening is after she gives this vision, within a week to a week and a half after, we find out, one right after the other, about five of our leaders in sin. And God just uncovered it, just came right out, came right out. Now, we have a very low tolerance for stuff. Um, now, I don't look at this so much as failure as much as it is God's grace. God's grace towards us. But there were things that we had to fix, and we knew that. We had come through a period of building for about two and a half years, and then you know with the economy, the economy makes people crazy, makes you hopeless, makes you start thinking of doing things that maybe you shouldn't do. So we came through two years of building. It was tough. During that time, we had to focus on the building, and we came to the following conclusion, that there was obviously work that we needed to focus on with the people because a church, even this church, because this church has been very politically active and has done a lot of great and wonderful things that you're called to as a church. 
And we're called to things as a church. But the church is never about the doing. It's about the people. It's always about the people. And it's first and foremost about the people that you shepherd. Now, the shepherds have a responsibility for that. We do. And I had had a vision of, at one point where the Lord told me very clearly. He said, I was speaking to some of our leaders. And he showed me um, an open door, but reflected in a mirror. You know when you see something in a mirror, it like reflects over and over again? You see like a bunch of them? And the Lord told me, whatever door you open for, the, for yourself, you open for the congregation. Whatever door you close for yourself, you close for the congregation. Now, I thought, wow, God, that's really nice. Let me just tell these people. God was speaking to me. Has that ever happened to you? God is speaking to you. You go around sharing this great revelation and, duh, I missed it. God was talking to me. So God was speaking to me. But it's a principle that applies because we all know about Aaron and running down the beard, that whole deal. It's very true. And it's not just very true for pastors, but it's very true for every single one of you in the realm of responsibility within, within you are placed. Every last one of you has that same door opening, door closing thing. And I think in a lot of ways, more often women, because we do bear a lot of influence. We really do. If you notice, in Jewish families, the way you determine a family is Jewish is through the who? The mother. The mother. And of all societies, you figure it would be the father. And then you have all these stupid commentaries where people say, well, there was no genetic testing back then, so the only way they knew it was going through the mother. No, God's too smart for that. That's not what it is. It's, the fact is, is that it's through the mother because the mother spends most of the time with the children. And you guys here, because we have several layers of generations, have a responsibility that the church is forgetting. And it's not just the verse that they keep repeating over fathers' hearts to the children, children to the fathers. But in the mix of all of this, a lot of mothering has gotten lost. Completely and totally lost. But you can't mother if you don't have certain things in order within yourself first. So we were tribulated, and I wept for a couple of days because I said, Lord, I don't want Hope Center to be the great experiment. I don't want to, people to have said, wow, that was a really great idea. These people did so great, and now look at what happened. And it gets to that point in churches sometimes that we're not careful, and this is where we talk about pride, that everything that God does can be wiped out in a moment. Just a moment. It doesn't take very long at all. We have to be vigilant and on watch for the things that God has placed in our care. And first and foremost, we need to be vigilant and on watch for ourselves. And that is where the church misses it because we do a lot of these things. We're trying to do good for the community, good for the church, serve in ministry. And we forget that the first place where we have to start with the ministry thing and the connection with God is us. If we get that straight, then God will move through us in power because it's really the Holy Spirit anyway. It's not us, and it's never us. It's never us. So I want you to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. And we're only going to be there for a second. Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, most of you know, because you have a pastor that is an amazing teacher. By the way, the first, first time I met Pastor Walt, he scared the wits out of me. He's a scary guy. <laughs> Maureen, Maureen, I loved. You know, she was so awesome. And then I looked at Pastor Walt, and I'm like, you know, because we had just first gotten here, and they put me on this crazy uh, Wake America committee and made me do things I had never done before in my life, and I learned a lot. Amen? See, it's good when your pastor pushes you. It's not about what you want. God gives you a word, but then it's the pastor's job to confirm that and to push you beyond your limits. He's got to take, we had somebody preach for Pastor Appreciation Day. He's got to take the pastor and do this to you. 
kick you through that door. He's got to kick you through that door. And you got to let him do it. It's not about what you want. We are an army of God, amen? And armies have levels of authority and responsibility. Yes, you do hear from God, but God has placed people over you, amen? Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. All the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform, the first pulpit, built for the occasion. Beside him, on his right, stood Matthiah and a bunch of other names I'm not going to read. Okay, we're going to verse 5. <laughs> Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people stood up. Understand, they had not seen heard anything, the word of God for the longest. Everybody stood up as we praise the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. They bowed down. They worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground, and all of us have to be pushed to worship, and all he did was bring out the word of God, right? The Levites, all these guys I'm not going to read, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear, making it clear. How many of you got, know God is not impressed with our intellect or intelligence? He wants us to clearly expound the word of God, making it clear and giving meaning so the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing people said to them all, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because, listen to why, they now understood the words that had been made known to them. One of the words that we've been bringing up constantly in our church since this vision is doctrine. In the church, doctrines become a dirty word. Everybody know that? To a great extent, it's become a dirty word. Why? Because we associate it with legalism. We associate it with rules. Our American hearts associated with being told what to do. Everybody know the Bible is an Eastern book? Yes? We associate it with being told what to do. But actually, doctrine is our taking this word and applying it to our lives. So we decided, and it's funny because Pastor Walt said during one of the board meetings, because he's on the Hope Center Arts Board, he says the problem with people today is they don't know how to live. And they don't. So we, had, we decided we had to set about teaching people how to to live. We have to take this word, and I don't mean break it down to baby food, because the word is deep, and there should be deep study of the word of God. But that word then needs to become applicable to your life. It can't just be the study of the word of God for the word of God's sake. 
in the book of Nehemiah here, there was a long uh, passage of time before they got to this place. It wasn't all of a sudden nobody didn't know the word of God. There's something that happened before this point over a period of about 80-something years, and that was the Babylonian captivity. And it started with Daniel. And if you can just bear with me for a minute, I'm going to go through it a little so you can get a time frame. In 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar became king of Babylon. He invaded Judah, and then he took the first wave of Jews, and in the first wave of Jews was Daniel. That's how it starts. I want you to keep that in your head. Four years later, Judah realigns itself with Egypt, dumb Judah, and Jeremiah warns Daniel, Jeremiah. Five years later, Babylonians capture the second wave of Jews, and Ezekiel's taken captive, and he begins to prophesy. See the short periods of time and the number of people that are prophesying at this time. Twelve years later, Babylonians destroy Jerusalem, and the temple, and the Jerusalem walls and gates are burned, and the third wave of Jews is deported to Babylon. Sixty-six years since the first captivity, Babylon falls. Then finally, in 516 B.C., is where you see where Nehemiah enters in, 444 B.C., Nehemiah rebuilds the walls. Now, there were other prophets, contemporaries at the same time, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Haggai, Malachi. God is speaking. He's speaking over and over and over again. But I want to tell you that the enemy is very purposeful in the things that he does. He started with Daniel specifically, and there's a reason why he started with Daniel. Because how we see the enemy taking over, even in this world, or how anybody watch The Dictator or know anything about uh, uh, different Castro, uh, the Nazis, when they take over, there's a specific way in which they do it. We are not watching because we're not understanding that the devil is doing the same thing now. The same thing that he's done time after time after time after time. Babylon is just another way of expressing what we're in right now. We're in a modern day Babylon. So the devil has done this before. I want you to turn with me to the book of Daniel. We're going to use it as our model. Daniel 